All right, welcome to Small Town Big Ministry. I am Pastor Luke, and today I invited Kevin Ricky to join me as my guest. Hey, Kevin. Hi, Luke. Thanks for coming. Um, I wanted to invite Kevin to join us because um, Kevin serves um, in a lot of different ways, but uh, primarily uh, he is our men's ministry uh, director. Um, he's the chairperson for the men's ministry council in our church. Um, but also, um, you do a lot of different ministry. You do a lot of, uh, roles that are actually very different from each other. I mean, you're teaching junior high, uh, Sunday school class. You're actually teaching an adult class on Wednesday nights and you've done marriage, uh, classes, men's conferences, and a lot of different things. We'll get into some of that in a minute. Um, but it was kind of interesting to me to think about where Kevin comes from and kind of where he has been serving in our church. So can you tell us just a little bit about your faith journey? Yeah, I grew up in a Christian home and with parents that were of different de- denominations, which was a positive and a negative. I think the positive was I was going to church I was in the church probably four nights a week. Mm-hmm. Um, the negative was the negative conversations about each one's denomination. Well, you, yeah, they were pretty pretty far apart on the spectrum, weren't they? Catholic and Baptist. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that was that was part of something I wanted to avoid. Is when Pam and I got married, um, one of our conversations was we're going to be one denomination, mm-hmm. um, and I wasn't sold on which one I wanted to be, and so anyway, we ended up Protestants and moved from one Protestant church to this one because of some of their beliefs and things that they, they were doing that we couldn't get the church to look at differently. Did you ever think that, you know, growing up that when it was your choice as an adult that you would end up in a Baptist church or was no, <laughs> I always thought I'd be a Catholic. I mean, that's, uh-huh. that's what I did. And you like um, the structure, you like the, yeah, the I just like the history formality and the history yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, so Kevin, tell us a little bit about your, your faith journey from, um, from there into, you know, your own walk. Cause I know that uh, walk to Emmaus was kind of a big part of, of your growth um, and kind of becoming more of a everyday Christian, as you would say. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Not everybody knows about uh, Walk to Emmaus, probably, so I don't know if that needs a little explanation. And Yeah, I, um, I, I was a churchgoer every Sunday, and I, I mean, that's something that's drilled in your head as a Catholic, and um, there was never a question that that's what you did on Sunday, so... Um, I was an outstanding uh, Sunday Christian, mm-hmm. um, Monday through Saturday, uh, probably not so. And um, um, during my journey, I, uh, someone asked me to attend, actually, uh, Curcio, which is the Catholic version of mm. Walk to Emmaus. And uh, when asked to do things like that, I've always felt like that was God asking me, so... I went, and that's where I discovered that maybe I ought to get on board and be a seven-day Christian instead of a one-day Christian. And 
it was a real turner for me as far as, um, you know, what I did every day. Mm-hmm. And one of the stories I always like to tell is I spent 15 minutes a day in a devotional when I got back from Curcio and um, was pretty proud of that. Mm-hmm. 15 minutes with God was a, a big step for me. So that was a big improvement from zero <laughs> to <laughs> yeah, 15. 15. Okay. But still, I what I will tell you about the Curcio and Walk to Emmaus events, um, they're three-day conferences mm-hmm. and um you die to yourself you rise again and then you have conversation about what your days when you leave are going to look like mm-hmm. and what it really encouraged uh, us to do was to form some sort of accountability group and uh, so in 2003 we started our accountability group and still going strong today and has gone through all different types of looks as far as being a Bible study, um, reading a book and discussing it, or just going around the table and say, what was your week with God like this week? So when, when was that? That was, that was more than um, 18 years ago, wasn't it, that you did uh, your first Curcio event? No, it was 2003, so oh, it, it was. was 18. Okay. I was thinking it was earlier than that. Oh. So that was when things kind of really shifted into more high gear, spiritually growth, um, getting serious and starting to serve. Were you already serving in your church around that same time, or were you more kind of cruising the pew? I was I was going to church. Okay. That was it. But since then, um, you've served a lot in a lot of different ways. You were doing... Uh, kids ministry, youth ministry, serving on the session with your church before you came here, and here you've done a lot of different things. And my question, you know, I guess is why, I mean, not everybody is serving in in the church, and and especially not in the ways that you're serving. Um, You're leading, and you're teaching, and you're doing a lot of different things. Why do you think that is for you? Well, the reason I do what I do as far as teaching and and um, chairing the men's ministry council is that's just a gift that God's given me. I um, these people tell me that as a teacher I listen well and and uh, can take on questions that I don't know the answer to and and still come up with answers with the people in the room and mm-hmm. build those types of relationships and. From a leadership standpoint, um, something I did at, did at work and um, something that uh, was just part of my work life. So mm-hmm. um, you have that repetition of doing it. Why not do it for God, too? So, so you took those those uh, experiences and uh, opportunities and you just kind of translated them into church life. So you worked um, at John Deere for 40 44 years. 44 years. Okay, recently retired. So um, what has been the biggest challenge over your Christian life? You know, you've worked it in a, an environment that I'm sure there were some good Christian people that you, you know, gotten to work with uh, at John Deere, um, but probably f- maybe fewer and far between than, than some. I don't know. And, and does that change anything for you? 
Um, is it difficult to work, you know, a full-time job like that and still pursue, you know, your own Christian growth? Or is it part of the challenge of, of uh, being a light in that environment? Like, what, what to you is the uh, challenge of working a full-time job like that? Well, I think the biggest challenge is just not getting caught up with the uh, um, way people talk and the language that they use, that kind of stuff, and being an example in, in that way. Um, mm-hmm. Numerous incidents I in my office, um, they threw a guy at me to help me out that I wasn't overly pleased with when they threw him at me. Um, and uh, a Christian man, and he and I ended up being very good friends and really helped each other along the path of, boy, you didn't really shine the light in that moment right there. So we got to debrief different situations and talk about those. And mm-hmm. uh, I think the fun, the most fun, you know, so yeah, the most interesting thing that, that happened is in my office, people would come in and holler and scream and swear. And I always felt like, as long as they were communicating, mm-hmm. it was okay. I was going to listen. Yeah. Felt like that's what Jesus would do. And um, so that's how I acted. And over a period of time, those same people would come into my office, and if a swear word slipped, um, they would apologize. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to say, hey, I don't want you swearing in this office. I just listened and led by example. and People got to know your, your character and your faith, not with, you didn't have to overtly, you know, try to control that. You just shined the light. And so, yeah, it's yeah. cool. So um, working full time and, and you were commuting almost an hour each way, um, that presents its own challenge because you're working 10, 12 hours a day or gone 12, 10, 12 hours a day. Um, still serving, still have to feed your own spiritual life and growth and still, you know, be a dad and a husband and all those things. Um, what are some of the things of, uh, advice, words of wisdom that you would share with people that are in that kind of a situation? Yeah, I think anyone that's in that drive mode where you're driving 45 minutes to an hour, Mm -hmm. um, there's all kinds of opportunities. I, my opportunity was I listened to the Bible on my way to work, mm-hmm. and I would pray beforehand. I would listen to um, my daily readings of the Bible to get through the Bible in a year, and then um, pray on the rest of the way in. So I got some prayer time. I got some Bible time. Mm-hmm. And then on the way home, um, either I would listen to worship music or um in the last couple of years, the Unashamed uh, podcast was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what I would listen to. I really enjoy that. Yep. So redeeming that uh, commute time, pretty valuable, pretty important. Um, so I, I wanted to get back to this, um, all the different ways that you have served. And I was just thinking through the things that you've done um, since I've known you. Um, and and I haven't even, you know, talked about all, all the things that you've done. You've served on our building committee uh, as well as uh, all the different things you've served in our Christian Ed board. Um, so what has been your favorite type of, of uh, ministry that you've been involved with? So earlier we talked about Walk to Emmaus and Curcio. Um, similar events, just 
different denominations putting them on. And so to go along with that, there's a, a youth part of that that uh, is um, Christmas for the Emmaus community and tech for the uh, Curcio community. And those are probably the things I enjoyed the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I got the most out of is just being there for kids because a lot of those kids that go to those events are struggling with stuff and mm-hmm. coming out of homes that aren't Christian homes. And so the, the opportunity to just be there and lead in that, that mode has always been rewarding. Okay. So um, when you're looking at, you know, the ministry that we're doing here at First Baptist with the Men, I was thinking about this um, you know, growing up in church, I've been in a lot of different churches. Uh, I've been in churches from, you know, New Hampshire to South Dakota to Illinois, Kansas, Michigan. And I was thinking back through some of those churches, and I don't remember any of them. And, and you know, not, not all of them was I uh, an adult male, so I may not have known what was going on in some of those churches. But I don't remember any of them having a significant men's ministry. Um, and some of them were bigger churches. Some, I, I was, uh, an intern at a church in uh, Springfield that was, uh, six or 700 folks. Um, so, you know, a pretty decent sized large church. Um, and I, I don't remember there being a, a men's ministry there either. Um, the most, you know, that I've can remember is seeing maybe a prayer breakfast or something along those lines where men would gather for, you know, a small group, um, meeting and here that's kind of where we started too we had for years and years we would have uh, our men's prayer breakfast which it was um, we would get together before the service so 7 a.m on a Sunday morning uh, have breakfast that somebody would cook for us and then um, and we would talk and maybe there'd be a little study along with it maybe it'd be uh, more of a, a you know prayer time like how are, how's everybody doing let's pray for each other kind of thing and for probably, I don't know, six, seven, eight years, I would say, that was the extent of our men's ministry. We might go to an event, you know, once a year or something as men, but uh, that was pretty much it. And then in the last, I don't know, seven, eight years or so, um, we've begun to develop a little bit more robust men's ministry. So what are the unique challenges? Because you've been the chairman of our our men's ministry council, which heads up all of our men's ministry. What are the unique challenges of, of men's ministry in, in your view? So from a personal perspective, it is the, the challenge is how high you set your expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be pretty disappointing if your expectations are real high and I'm used to setting them that way. Um, so being able to deal with that and come down to, when you have gains and you have opportunities where things go well Mm -hmm. to celebrate those, don't expect this is what's going to happen. And I always go back to first Corinthians three, five through nine and, and just really put that into my head that I'm here to plant and water and as a men's ministry council, that's what we're there for. But God's going to be the one that has to take hold of them. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, get that. So that that's a challenge. The other challenge is um, working around people's schedules, mm-hmm. um, the time that they have available, and 
and then trying to get that mix of divert that group to be somewhat diverse. Um, you know, the younger men in our church have families and mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, and, and, and they're prioritizing some of that as they should to be helping their wives. And um, so that's always a challenge. And the other thing is um, what trips the people's boats? Um, right. What do they like? What do they need? What kind of gaps do we have in the church right now? And what can we get to come in here and, and talk to those people's needs? And Because mm -hmm. it's always better. Uh, um, I don't care how good you are with the material. Um, it seems like people listen better if it's someone from outside your church speaking mm -hmm. than, than you being the one speaking to them. Yeah. People tend to get more excited about, you know, an out, outside uh, – personality coming in and they may say the very same thing that we've been saying, but, uh, for whatever reason, it just, it hits home harder somehow, but, uh, getting back to the expectation, um, issue, cause I think that's a big challenge or hurdle in ministry is having different expectations. So one is, um, in terms of, um, people that'll come to your thing, whatever your thing is, like how many people you have a, a goal or an idea or desire to see, you know, a large group. Um, and, and that can be an expectation that you have to either let go or, or moderate, you know, it might be, okay, I thought we would have, you know, this last time we had a, uh, a rooted conference, which is our men's conference. I thought maybe we would have a hundred and I was kind of expecting 100, but we ended up with, I don't know, 50 or 60. Um, and I was okay with that. I mean, I, I wasn't too disappointed, but the expectation and reality were there was a gap. And you kind of have to deal with some of that gap. But uh, some of the expectation is also in the results um, of what's going to happen. And as a pastor, you always have the, the expectation that, what we're doing on a Sunday morning or an event or anything that you're doing is going to impact people, move them forward in their faith or change their direction, um, you know, mature and grow them. You want to see something happen that you're, you're, you know, expecting a movement of God in that. And so um, when you talk about expectations, which one of those um, is, is harder um, to manage for you? Yeah, I think numbers. Mm -hmm. um, so you take the time to put the event on. Mm -hmm. You take the time, you know, and just not putting it on. I mean, you're out there on a regular basis looking at things that are available and trying to get get that one that'll click with the men in your church and right. 12 people show up. Um, mm -hmm. It's hard for me to get excited about it, but I'm getting to the point where I can get excited about there were 12 people here, and guess what? Two of them left there and found something that really changed the way they do things. Mm -hmm. And I, so that's what you're after. Yeah. Well, in, in, in ministry, in, um, especially in maybe a smaller church or a smaller community, you always have to grow um, in, in, I don't know, in a progressive way so that you're, you're not – you know, shooting for the moon uh, immediately, but you're, you're building reputation, you're building, you know, long-term consistent um, health and, and growth and vitality in that area. And so men's ministry 
uh, I think is one of those areas where you kind of have to plot along and you maybe don't have all the, the people that you want um, immediately, but, you know, you just keep doing the right things and those things pay off um, eventually. And I think that, you know, being in this season that we're in now, you know, you look back and you, where we came from, you say, we, we've really made a lot of progress. Um, but you're always looking at where you want to be instead of kind of where you've come from. And you think, man, I wish we could, you know, be way further along than, than where we are. Um, and I, that for me is always kind of that struggle, you know, that I, I want to be further than where we are, but I have to accept that, you know, we've really, we've progressed and we've grown and, and that's, we're in a good place. Uh, yeah. And I think in just the last couple of years, um, that's really true because as I look at it, like we look at our men's ministry council, the, the key to that is, and the key to everything you do is how do you develop someone else to be able to branch out and mm -hmm. get other people involved, other men involved in something that they're passionate about. Right. And right now we've got three people on our men's ministry council that have really stepped out and started teaching and, and they're, and they're, they're pulling people in that would, mm -hmm. wouldn't have come to something that, that I'd put on. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I'm excited about that. Eh? Mm -hmm. These guys are growing and they're growing in the right ways and, and they're bringing people to the Lord that way. And, and I'm not so sure that isn't what our expectation ought to be as opposed to a hundred people coming to the rooted conference. How right. many people can go and disciple to other people? And that's, well, yeah, I mean, that's our focus. What you're talking about there is, is uh, exponentially more effective and more fruit bearing, you know, than just one event that gets a bunch of people you know, to come to it. Cause you're talking about, um, you know, even three guys leading, really leading um, in different, three different areas and how many guys will they affect um, positively. And, and that would just create, you know, all kinds of growth. Uh, so that's that's a fantastic thing. But um, talking about that, um, you know, I was thinking that we in the last, what, six months or so, we've kind of partnered a little bit or, or uh, had uh, some conversation with the Man in the, Man in the Mirror uh, Ministries, uh, and they've gotten some resources and some help. And I thought it was interesting, one of the things that uh, Stan Reisinger, who's our the area coordinator, uh, he had said, is that you consider, and, and I don't know if this is from their, you know, top people, you know, this is something they communicate all the time maybe, but that you consider everything that a man does in the church as men's ministry. Um, and, and that's a little bit different way of thinking about it because we usually look at our thing and we want everybody to do our thing. So if it's missions, we want everybody to be excited about missions. If it's you know, children's ministry, we want everybody to be all on board with children's ministry. But, you know, with men's ministry, um, men are doing all kinds of things. I mean, they're involved in marriage ministry things. They're involved in youth ministry things. They're involved in worship and, you know, serving in all kinds of different ways. And trying to just, you know, use the men's ministry a platform to grow and mature and, I don't know, train these men to be effective dads, um, husbands, and servants in all areas of the church, 
um, is a little bit different, I think, way of thinking about it, which it was kind of encouraging to me because it's not just how many guys can we get to, you know, a bags tournament or, you know, a Bible study. Or it's, you know, how do we use the men's ministry to really grow these men up so they can be effective wherever they go? And so um, what do you think um, are the greatest areas of need that men have, you know, as you're looking at the guys that you're working with. Yeah. So my thought process always is the more I can get them to strengthen their relationship with the Lord, the better their relationship with their wife and kids and the church community as a whole is going to be. And so that's the struggle is how do you make them better Christian men? Mm -hmm. Um, and understanding the legacy that they're going to leave for their kids and and family at some point. Um, but if it's an issue that you're looking for in men, that I don't care what conference I go to, 40% of it will be on um, uh, lust and mm-hmm. pornography and, mm-hmm. and, and that kind of stuff. And that's something that, um, at least for me, um, has not been an issue. Mm-hmm. Um so I haven't been as sympathetic towards that <laughs> as, as I should be. Right. And that's really coming to light for me right now that um, I got I have to get into that a little bit more. And, um, and so now if I have an opportunity to go to a session within a conference, um, I try to find that particular area and go to it to, mm-hmm. to see what's going on there. Well, yeah, and I agree. I mean, I'm kind of the same way where uh, it's not a struggle. So I kind of think, well, you just got to cut it out. I mean, we'll talk about this with guys. Like if it's if there's some issue with pornography or something like that, then, you know, you just got to stop. And and there's a, a pattern, you know, that you help people to try to understand, which is confession, repentance, forgiveness, you know, confession and repentance, forgiveness. So if you are struggling with a sin area, then, I mean, I don't know if there, maybe there are wonderful, mysterious keys to unlocking, you know, getting over that particular issue. Um, I don't know, but I know the Bible says, you know, if you, you feel that conviction of the Holy Spirit, you confess it, you repent, and you, you're forgiven, and you keep going, and, and if you mess up again, you just keep going through that pattern. But I, I'm not super sympathetic about it. It's like, I, you know, you just got to gotta get on board here with God's plan. Um, and so, but you're right, because if they're, and, and I'm preaching on David and, and Bathsheba this week, so this whole <laughs> issue is kind of, you know, really kind of hit me in the face, but um, it will totally undermine everything else in a man's life if he doesn't get a handle on that issue. I mean, it can be a lot of other issues that, you know, can trip people up with, you know, addiction and um, it can be pride. It can be, you know, uh, finances. It can be anger. It can be all kinds of things. But um, that one in particular will totally uh, undermine because I think a lot of men are shamed they are, they feel guilty, they feel dirty, they feel like God doesn't love them, they feel they can't be used, and they back away from uh, maybe the church, maybe the Lord, maybe their families, maybe who knows what, you know. A lot of the times what I will notice is that when people are in sexual sin, I won't see them at church as often. 
you know, they kind of start shying away um, it, because they feel guilty. And the only, you know, way back is just to confess that to the Lord um, and give it to God and keep going and, and know that, you know, you have forgiveness. Um, but we run away from that. And so, yeah, I, I agree. That's a, a major area. I don't know what the key is there. Um, I guess we just got to keep talking about it and keep dealing with it because it doesn't seem like it's going away. Yeah, I think you got to come clean with it. I, I know I've always think that if I'm being convicted about something, mm-hmm. that for one thing, I'm convicted. Now I, gotta, I have to go through that process that you talked about. Um, but also, I'm in a pretty good spot with the Lord. Mm-hmm. If he's convicting me, yeah. and um, sometimes he's convicted me about things that I don't really think I did wrong. But, <laughs> um, that's for him and I to have that conversation. Yep. Right? Well, and so I've always you know, tried to communicate this, that um, if you are convicted, that is a good sign because that means that the Holy Spirit is at work in you. Um, so we, you might feel bad, you know, cause that's what conviction is. It makes you feel guilty that you've done something wrong, that you're far from God or in fellowship, not in salvation, but in fellowship in that moment. And that the, the point of it is to draw you back into a right relationship, not to drive you further away. So when you understand that, you know, it, it actually can be pretty encouraging. Like, okay, I feel bad about that. That's a good thing. It means that I'm still awake and alive to the Holy Spirit's work in my life. Um, so let it do its work. Come back to the Lord um, and don't run away. But see, when I'm studying David and Bathsheba, what I came to understand is that David, uh, he did run away from God. I mean, for months, I mean, maybe even a year, he was, he, he was overwhelmed with conviction. He did not repent. He just lived with this overwhelming guilt and shame in his heart. Um, Psalm 32 and Psalm 51, both are his prayers about how God was just kind of hammering on him. And he, he didn't deal with it until finally the Nathan prophet, the prophet brought it to his attention and then he repented. And then as soon as he did, God said, I forgive you. I mean, it's as simple as that, um, in a way, but we, we tend to want to run away instead of run toward God. So, um, yeah, encouraging guys to, um, Keep going, keep uh, keep pushing forward in their growth, um, and keep serving. I think that you know that's such a huge thing. Uh, an example that you set is wherever God's you know gifted you, called you, given you an opportunity, you step in and and you serve. And uh, uh, it, I think for me, um, I'm so much more in tune with what God's saying to me when I have to teach. Than, than otherwise, because I have to study and I have to, to you know, make sure I'm spiritually ready uh, to step in in that leadership role. And I'm, you know, concerned, I guess, I don't know if concern's the right word, but a lot of guys don't ever experience that. Um, not that everybody should be a teacher, but, um, but if you're just attending, um, you never have that challenge of, like, being prepared for how do I you know, lead somebody else. How do I use what God's given me to help somebody else? And I think that's, that's a key issue for growth. Um, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. I mean, I, even in the teaching role that I have this, uh, quarter, 
um, we're, we're going through the chosen. Mm-hmm. So I, I study that, and I study the scripture that goes along with it. and But I go in with no preconceived notion because what we're really trying right. to do in that class is build relationships with, with one another and getting people to be a little more transparent. I'm mm-hmm. a very transparent person. I'm not going to hold back on you. I'm going to tell you exactly what's going on in my life and how what you do in my life impacts me and and we should all be able to say those types of things and get along. That's mm-hmm. me, but not everyone. I so I just sit back. I mean, I'm prepared and I've got stuff I've got a toolbox ready to open it up, but if the conversation's flowing and right I, you just don't mess with it. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I think that's where the gift for me lies is yeah. that I don't have to be the teacher all the time. I just sometimes can take a look at it and and facilitate certain conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you can't just facilitate the whole thing. I mean, you got to be there to teach too. But Well, especially with like when you're teaching a class where you're watching a movie like The Chosen, uh, uh, you know, all these um, episodes – which are anywhere from what forty to minutes to an hour, mm-hmm. and then we have less than an hour and a half for the whole class. So you're watching the the episode, and then you're talking for twenty thirty minutes tops. So your your job, and and I actually really like this kind of a, a format where uh, you're not necessarily lecturing the whole time, uh, but you're more kind of guiding the discussion. And I, I look at it more like I'm just kind of the referee almost, like make sure we don't get out of line here <laughs> with any anything that we're talking about. If there's something that's, you know, conversation slowed down, let's add something to it to kind of get it going again or keep it on track. But those are really, it can be, really beneficial things because you're hearing from so many different voices, learning from that seeing different perspectives. And um, so serving can be a lot of different things. I mean, it can be, you know, facilitating a class like that. It can be, you know, just uh, every week we're doing uh, in our kids club program uh, a thing where we have to tear down the chairs in in our overflow of our sanctuary and then we got to put them back. So um, I've been really impressed that every week we got a bunch of people coming over from like your class afterwards and just helping us set up chairs. And it might take know 10 minutes but you're you're contributing something you know and i think that you start to feel ownership and this is kind of the point is that you start to feel ownership in the church body and as you do that you start to feel more ownership in your faith and then you start to look for ways to grow and more ways to be i don't know um in relationship with god so you're you're um almost encouraged to redeem different times of your day so it might be your commute it might be getting up early if you don't have a commute and spending some time with god beforehand um, how do you redeem you know your the bedtime you know time for your kids can you uh, make sure that you're praying with your kids before they go to bed Um, and just seeing how these things all kind of work together and then you're going into your workplace i think um, with a more of a mission you know, you, you want to be a light. You want to make sure that you're influencing people, but more so than being influenced by uh, the world. Um, so all those things kind of play together to grow men and, and women um, in their walk with the Lord. So let me ask you one last question, Kevin. Um, if you could, I was going to say wave a magic wand, but we'll make it spiritual. 
if you could say a prayer that would miraculously and instantly change something in the ministry that you're leading, uh, what would it be? I, I think that if I, if God could touch the hearts of the men in this church to understand that they're supposed to be fishermen, fishers of other men, mm-hmm. um, that would be my prayer. I mean, that's, that's what we're really after is trying to get men to influence other men and lead other men and mentor other men and mm-hmm. in their Christian faith. And I'll go back to work on that. I, you know, when I worked, I, numerous people would come up to me and, and ask me why I reacted in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I, that's when I get to get to talk about my faith. I don't I don't let people run over me, but also, you know, they're paying me to do a job and I'm not going to whine and complain about the things that they asked me to do. And so you get to lead in mm-hmm. a Christ-like manner and, and people recognize that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's great. I mean, that's the difference between simple addition and uh, multiplying. I mean, if you, if you can have guys who are excited and uh, on fire and growing and multiplying by inviting or pouring into another man, um, their faith, their character, um, I mean, you would see an explosion. Um, and that's kind of what we're always praying for. So uh, we will pray for that, and we'll keep uh, keep working, and, and we're going to trust God for all the results. So, well, thanks, Kevin, for joining us. And uh, Molly, she she couldn't join us today, so she'll be back next time. But, Kevin, thank you for participating on this one. Um, and so thank you for listening. This has been Small Town Big Ministry, and we'll see you next time.